0: From Capital Broadcasting Company, this is WRAL, Out and About. I am your host, Kathy Hanran. This is a podcast about bringing people together and music definitely does that. I am here with someone who knows music in North Carolina, unlike anyone else. Uh, I feel like He's just one of those people that when you think of, you know, North Carolina music, you think of someone who you, you feel like would probably know most of the roots of it and could probably explain it to you. Uh, David Manconi, um, former news and observer, music writer, out and about contributor. He does everything and he has a book. Dave, you got a book? Tell me about the book.
1: <laughs> well, it, it took either three years or 28, depending on <laughs> how you reckon it. But yeah, yeah. Um, There's stuff in the book from the very first couple of months I was on the job in 1991, uh, running up more or less to the present day. So So tell
0: me more. Is this your first book?
1: It is not. Um, This will be number four, number five, if you count my master's thesis at the University of Texas uh, many, many years ago. But yeah, and uh, this, this one... It's called "Step It Up and Go: The Story of North Carolina Popular Music from Doc Watson and Blind Boy Fuller to Nina Simone and Superchunk."
0: So it feels, it does sound like you've been working on this book for quite some time, whether you realize it or not. Um, it sounds like you've been since the day you started in North Carolina in the what the '90s. It feels like you've been preparing to write this book. Um, what brought you to North Carolina to begin with? Well,
1: the job. Um, I was at a little newspaper in Boulder, Colorado, right out of grad school for about five years and looking to move around, and uh, I had just happened to meet a business writer at the News and Observer at a wedding in uh, 1989, and about a year after that, I got a call
0: from them saying, hey, they're looking for a rock writer here, are you interested? So here I was. And the rest is history. I mean, I I had no idea you were not originally from here because I feel like you were such a fixture um, in the culture and and the you know the whole. I mean, especially with News and Observer for so long. Um, but I just feel like you knew so much about North Carolina's music scene. I'm like, he has to be from here. Um, <laughs> I think you did a good job of of absorbing all of the content and the culture here. Um, let's let's start off. I mean, you you've got some great stories in this book. I like the way you. It's not just, hey, look, this is, this is this you know artist. This is where they grew up. It's, you could, were able to kind of give a little behind-the-scenes elements in there. What are some of your favorite behind-the-scenes stories that you were able to share in this book?
1: Well, one of them was right at the beginning in the prologue where I went over to Alice Gerard's house to uh, interview her. She was sort of an old-time music legend. I say was. She's actually still very much alive and playing. Um, and she was editing a magazine called Old-Time Herald. And uh, it was really just kind of a revelation and my first inkling that there was a lot more to the music scene and the history here than the kind of college radio stuff I came here knowing about. And um, her pulling out the anthology of American folk music and playing some songs that had uh, been recorded around North Carolina back in the 20s and 30s was just a revelation and kind of started me into looking around and trying to learn as much as I could about the history. Uh, The beach music chapter, a lot of the stories about beach as kind of an outgrowth of Jim Crow segregation, I found just fascinating.
0: Yeah, I had no idea what beach music was. I'm from New Orleans. We (laughs) didn't have, I don't remember beach music. So I was like, what is beach music? I was like, beach. Um, The embers and the Rolling Stones uh, story I thought was interesting. I liked the whole embers and Rolling Stones connection there. Um, I had no idea that the embers had opened for the Rolling Stones at some
1: point. There were, yeah, in 1965, November of that year at Reynolds Coliseum. And um, the uh, News and Observer reviewer at that time actually said the embers outplayed the stones.
0: I thought that was crazy. I was like, wow.
1: It, <laughs> I'm not sure fun. that's 100% accurate, but um, it's nice to think about.
0: Yeah. Pretty funny I, the way that turned out. I thought it was so much fun. And of course, you mentioned um, Arthur Smith and Charlotte. Um, I had no yeah. idea about the Feud and Banjos. That was so interesting.
1: Yeah, um, dueling banjos from the movie Deliverance. Everybody involved uh, in making that, recording that, thought that was just one of those old mountain songs that was public domain and anybody could play it and claim ownership. But no, uh, Arthur Smith had written it not quite 20 years earlier, and he was very much still around. So he took him to court and won, which was quite a thing. Uh, They just acted like he was some hayseed who uh, had no idea what he was doing, but he very shrewdly played them like a Stradivarius and won a whole bunch of money and also uh, awards the song had won were transferred to him and the copyright too.
0: That's amazing. I thought that was fascinating. That was an interesting part of the book. Uh, of course, IBMA World of Bluegrass is happening um, this week uh, and we've got, everything's virtual. You can see some some of the content on wrl.com. You can listen to some of it on that station. We've got a lot going on. But let's talk about bluegrass because I feel like you have a connection. You fe- you really know bluegrass much more than I do. Um, and I I was amazed at, you go all the way from what Earl Scruggs through steep canyon rangers. I mean, so many amazing bluegrass artists. I had no idea bluegrass had their roots here.
1: Well, even before Earl Scruggs, uh, Charlie Poole, who Mm -hmm. was uh, playing old-time string band music around textile towns through the North Carolina Piedmont, he was playing something very much like bluegrass a good 20 years before Bill Monroe, quote-unquote, invented it. So uh, bluegrass has really deep roots here in North Carolina. Um, there were some people connected to the bluegrass world who kind of poo-pooed the notion of IBMA moving world of bluegrass here. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot more to the history of bluegrass in North Carolina than many people realize.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting. Who were some essential bluegrass artists that if people are looking to just kind of get familiar with bluegrass, who do you recommend maybe looking into at this point?
1: Well, Flatten Scruggs uh, and Earl, featuring Earl Scruggs from uh, Boiling Springs, North Carolina. He uh, was kind of the missing ingredient that Bill Monroe hired. Uh, Earl Scruggs' banjo wound up being a really key part of the mix, and that is what elevated what Bill Monroe was playing to the actual style of bluegrass. Um, more recently, bands like Steep Canyon Rangers and Chatham County Line from North Carolina, very fine Bluegrass acts, although they range into country and Americana as well. But uh, they're kind of top of the heap in North Carolina bluegrass these days.
0: We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Special thanks, though, to our sponsor, Right By You Mortgage, for supporting the show. We'll be right back. We are back right now. We are talking music with uh, one of the premier uh, music experts, I feel like, in all of North Carolina, uh, David Manconi. So, why don't you fill me in uh, your book? once again, fascinating um, it kind of tracks musical uh, history through North Carolina all the way from beginning uh i don't know it goes from the beginning of when you got here, but also you go so far back. Um, I love the way you talked about the blues you got to, now i'm I worked in Mississippi for many, many, many years, so we thought we owned the blues, and I realized the blues really has some roots in North Carolina too
1: It really truly does um, Durham was an underrated blues town, one of the most important places for it in the 1930s, um, primarily because of Blind Boy Fuller and Friends, who uh, were this, this group of African-American players, Blind Boy Fuller, Reverend Gary Dan- Davis, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee, the Trice brothers and a number of others. They all basically made their living busking around tobacco warehouses. That's what they did for a living. Uh, through the 30s, and then uh, a fellow by the name of J.B. Long, who ran the Dollar Store, he also made records, and uh, he recorded a bunch with Blind Boy Fuller, and that's why he wound up being kind of the most well-known of that crowd. But uh, Piedmont Blues, it's distinctive from Mississippi Blues or New Orleans Blues. It has a lot of ragtime and bluegrass, and it comes from a lot of the same sources as that, but there's sort of a clattery, up-tempo, party music feel to it.
0: I love it. I love that you know it has its own own environment, its own feel. I think everything in North Carolina has its own feel, Um, and I love that we've got like grunge connections. It's kind of Chapel Hill, the future of grunge music. Um, (laughs) You know, I love the way you break down a lot of the bands that were breaking from Chapel Hill because all of us remember like Ben Folds and Ben Folds Five and Squirrel Nut Zippers, and and I like the fact you kind of take us through that time. When you, I, I love when you were talking about how you met Ben Folds for the first time. You went to interview him and he was playing the piano.
1: Yeah, it was really strange. Um, I actually showed up late and missed their show, but I walked in uh, the post-show hangout and he was having a very animated discussion with somebody about the old Bob Seeger song from the movie Risky Business, old time rock and roll. And there was an argument or some dispute over how that piano riff went. And he just hopped up on stage and got behind the piano and blasted that riff out. So perfectly, you'd have sworn you were listening to the record. Uh, And it was like, wow, this, it was a pretty great little party trick and a pretty cool example of his virtuosity. I mean, he's like a conservatory whiz kid.
0: Yeah, he's, he's fascinating. And I mean, it's, it was great to see him breaking. And I love the way you you talked about Squirrel Nut Zippers, because I had a chance to um, interview Jimbo Mathis when he was in Mississippi Delta um, many, many years ago. So I found that to be really interesting the way you kind of broke them down a little bit and talked more about their success. Um, and of course you got the Ava brothers that we get you, uh, talk about in there. I love, they have a quote where they say, um, they said that at the beginning they were always hungry and they always said yes to everything. And I think that's a thing that a lot of artists do and they burn themselves out.
1: Yeah. Um, if you're lucky, it works out and you don't have to say yes to quite so many things, but, um, Yeah, the Avid brothers, they relentlessly worked their way up the ladder to where they are now. Um, And not just the band on stage, but their manager, uh, they really hoofed it hand to mouth for a lot of years. And uh, it really paid off.
0: Are there some bands out there that that have done that, that maybe didn't necessarily break and have that big moment um, that you've seen that you love, that you think people need to check out?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, One of them is in the book, Nantucket, who had a certain amount of success, but just never quite got over the hump. They were one of the biggest acts around the Carolinas, but never broke out nationally. Um, One of my favorite bands from around these parts is not actually in the book, but in the mid-90s, there was a band called Luster. who uh, They were sort of a poppy version of the alternative music that you heard around then. And I thought they were fantastic. I really thought they were bound for big things, loved their records still do just never happened and it uh, wasn't lack of work. They were out opening for every band that was big around that time and just never got a break.
0: Wow, what about some of the bands that you've seen live? because I know you've been fortunate enough to review a lot of shows and see a lot of bands perform live. So what are some of your favorite shows that you've seen?
1: Wow, um, one of them. Paul McCartney last year mm-hmm. was pretty amazing. Um, it had been close to two decades since I'd seen him his last time through Raleigh. And uh, his voice is a little ragged <laughs> around the edges, but still just lovely. And he's got a history in this area. I remember uh, hearing about when he played Carter Finley Stadium in 1990, he was talking up Arthur Smith and saying that uh, he treasures his copy of Guitar Boogie all these years later. So. Paul McCartney knows North Carolina music too.
0: <laughs> I, I, you've seen so many shows. Yeah, I, I love to ask, you know, what about some of the artists that people may not expect you to love as much? I mean, is there any some hidden gems in there? Any little uh, fun things on your uh, on your iPod that uh, people might not expect?
1: Wow. Well, some of my all-time favorite music is, uh, you know who Vincent Heraldi is, the jazz pianist?
0: No, I do not. I'm, I I think I do. I think I do.
1: Well, if you've ever seen a Charlie Brown TV special, the music is by Vince Guaraldi. Oh, like, okay. Christmas, um, Linus and Lucy stuff like that. That um, really up tempo jaunty theme that's called Linus and Lucy, mm-hmm. and uh, that's still some of my all time favorite music. I try not to play it any time other than Christmas, just so I don't mm-hmm. burn it. But uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: So, what can you tell people about this book if they're on the fence about getting it? What's your elevator pitch?
1: Hmm. If you want to know the history of this place where you are, um, which is often hiding in plain sight but not obvious, this will kind of clue you in. Um, a lot of important musical history happened in this state, uh, in places that are kind of unexpected, and this is a pretty good little guidebook roadmap. map. I think it's not 100% comprehensive. It's not an exhaustive A to Z encyclopedia, but it's a story with a through line. And uh, there's just there's bound to be some style of music that you are uh, sympathetic to in there because it's everything from hard rock to jazz, country, blues, gospel.
0: So tell people how they can get a copy of the book. Where are you available? Are you is it online? Is it at local shops?
1: It uh, it's just starting to show up in uh, in the warehouse, so it should be in local shops soon. I uh, encourage people to buy from their local independent shops, like Quail Ridge in Raleigh, or Regulator over in Durham, or Flyleaf in Chapel Hill. You can buy it. if you want to buy online. You can buy it through their websites. Um, I think it's very important at this time to try to support local businesses as much as you can even when you're buying online. So you can do that. You can also order it directly from University of North Carolina Press.
0: And so people, if they want to hear more from you, uh, you do do some stuff with that station, which is one of our uh, entities out there with Capital Broadcasting. Have you done some stuff recently with them or are you doing a regular show? What is your status?
1: Well, every week I do these things called uh, North Carolina backtracks, they're little vignettes about artists and songs from North Carolina. 919 day. I uh, curated an hour of local music uh, artists like Skylar Gadash and Chatham County line all from the 919 area code. So uh, I'll, I'll do things like that. They'll uh, be doing some things with the book too through the month Exciting. of October. as well.
0: well, it sounds awesome. Well, we're definitely going to include some information um, in our show notes so people can find out more. Um, do you have a website or anything people can go to?
1: I do. It is a WordPress blog and it's called loseringbook.wordpress.com.
0: Awesome. Well, we're going to include that in the show notes so people can click on it, check it out, connect with you. Um, David, it's been wonderful talking with you
1: likewise thank you very much this
0: has been this has been the out and about podcast a production of the capital broadcasting podcast network if you like what you heard please subscribe share with your friends follow us on social media wrl out and about on all platforms be be there you know check out wrl.com out and about you want to check out some of our blue gas coverage um coming up this week all right guys have a fantastic rest of your week